Warning. Missing save form. Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And this is The Missing Save File, a video game podcast where we talk about the games we somehow missed the first time around. And today we're talking about Doom. Doom! 2016. Yeah, 20, thank you. Because that's if we don't throw that in there, even though it's not on there, people will think we're talking about the original shareware version of Doom. And while that would be sweet, we're talking about the 2016 one that features ripping and tearing and all of that kind of stuff, which it's now on game pass, right? Is that how you played it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you haven't played doom 2016, uh, feel free to go through that. It's not a long game. Come back to this podcast and check it out. Otherwise, if you're okay with spoilers, we're going to get into those right away. But, uh, Mick Gordon will lead us into this month's show. Here we go. Remember when John Carmack was still at id? Remember when Doom 2016 was still called Doom 4? Remember when it was 2007? All of those things were happening at the same time. Yes, what some would call the game of 2016 began development nearly a decade prior with a completely different team and a completely different vision. If you want the complete story behind the game's troubled development, I highly recommend watching Danny O'Dwyer's no-clip video game documentary on the making of Doom 2016. Doom 2016 is loud. It's intense. It's not about taking cover and popping up for brief moments to shoot your enemies. It's about charging headfirst at them, revving up your chainsaw, ripping and tearing them apart, and then shoving their entrails down their throat to make sure you get extra ammo pickups. It's a modern take on classic shooters and a game that no one expected to be as widely praised as it was. I've played it. Paul hasn't. And so on this month's show, we are going to talk about the id Software 2016 remake of Doom. And it seems very appropriate, Paul, that on this podcast, we bring in a third voice to help us talk about this one. Our good friend Jeremiah is going to join us on the podcast this time. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. I believe you told me once that there are two games that you mm. won't stop recommending to people. Mm. This is one of them, is it not? Oh, yes. Might, might I guess the other is Barbie Horse Adventures. An easy that. thousand points. You know, if you're a completionist. Yeah, you got to get that platinum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> platinum. Come on. Xbox. Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> So Doom 2016 uh, is the, I mean, you, Jeremiah, had played this before any of the rest of us, because if I remember correctly, I think I got a PS4 Pro and mm. you had told me that I should pick up Doom 2016 and really put that PS4 Pro through its paces, if I remember correctly. Oh, absolutely. This is a game that's, it's something where the power of a more powerful system really pays off because it's such a fast game right? You're, you're, there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of loots flying out of stuff. 
that um the the power of the pro really really shown, especially when I first got it. So right, very much so. And, and now uh, you're playing it on PC now, right? <laughs> yes. So yeah. when I went back to replay it this time around, it was a notably different experience for me because uh, I, I I have a relatively modern PC. Um, I splurged a little bit and got myself a nice high refresh rate monitor with G-Sync enabled. And this game I was able to push to a full 144 frames per second, which is the max my monitor would do. Um, and it's really wild being able to just glide around at 144 FPS and just take things heads off. Like it, it was, it was almost like seeing the game again for the first time because, uh, you mm. know, completely different control scheme, mouse and keyboard, which somehow feels very right for a, for a doom title. Um, and, and high refresh rates. I was, I was loving life. It was great. Yeah. So I played this on Xbox, um, and a non pro Xbox or whatever that's called. Um, oh, that's right. You you have an Xbox Fat Boy, right? Original, uh, as it was intended to be played in 2007, I suppose. Resolution, <laughs> um, <laughs> as the Lord intended. Did uh-huh. it look like a PlayStation Two game? <laughs> um, no, it, it still looked great. Right, this game is is a beautiful game. I can only imagine what it looked like in a, in a much higher resolution. Um, but it does feel. I, I think the first few levels. Did I, I? I kind of was thinking, wow, Burns just gave me another game that is going to be like, um, um, what? What did we just um, Jedi Knight Two? Where yes. it's like I should be playing this on a PC, but um, <laughs> I think this was much better done. But it does have that feel um, of you know wanting to have that WASD movement. Like I felt myself wanting to be on a mouse and keyboard in this game uh, really? for a while until I got used to it. Um, once I did, I think the, the controller does it really, really well. But this game feels like Doom, which I associate with mouse and keyboard, right? Which is yeah. what I played Doom on back in the day. This it feels like Doom, right? We should toss that out there. Yeah. Which is the, probably the highest compliment you can pay the game at all, is, is saying it feels like Doom, because I think that was yeah. the design mantra. <laughs> yeah. It, it feels like if you went back in time and stole the people who made Doom and you brought them to 2016 and said, hey, it's 2016, make Doom, this is what they would give you, no, I essentially. I, I come back to this game once or twice a year, and I also have a relatively modern gaming PC. And the last time I I just, I don't know, there's something about that controller experience. This is a game where you're pushing forward all the time. Right. So sure. it's not, That's I didn't fair. find myself sort of back and strafe, you know, backing up and strafing and things like that. So, you know, I, I find the controller very natural for this game, or at least it's, it works. Yeah. Let me put it that way. Well, and, and I think I want to just put it in contrast with like Jedi Knight, right? Because that one needed a mouse and keyboard. And I'm not saying the controller doesn't work on this one. I, I think this does work really, really well with the controller. I just think that it, it, it made me want a mouse and keyboard sometimes early on. Hmm. I think past the second level, I'm not sure I thought it again, but it has that, it has that flow. This, this is where my brain kicks in and just hears what it wants to hear. That means you're buying a gaming PC, right, Paul? <laughs> I'll just find a way to hook up a mouse and keyboard to my Xbox. I guess. <laughs> there you go. Did uh, Jeremiah, I want to, I want to go back to one thing that you said, and I don't know if you realized that you used a developer buzzword and, and a particular developer buzzword, you said push mm-hmm. forward. Um, did, did oh, you, yeah. did you 
do you use that phrase knowing that that is what the developers literally coined this combat and like that was again their design mantra in how you approach combat in this game i mean it 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 was something you just intuitively grasp i mean i think if you have a bad experience playing this game there are those people out there they have to exist it's that you don't really get that vibe right the push forward which for people that don't know is um the glory kill system where mm-hmm. you almost down an enemy and they start to flash and you come in for a sync melee kill and they become a fountain of health and ammo, right? That really does push you towards enemies, especially on the higher difficulties where you're taking a ton of damage. You have a very, you know, it's just a very dangerous game to play. If they didn't have that system where they pushed you to get those glory kills into the enemies, um, you know, and also shotguns and chainsaws to get you close, uh, close in, you would just be trying to snipe. You'd be trying to fight and play corners, which isn't doom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so very, I mean, if, if you, if you have to hear one thing before you play this game, it is go forward, be aggressive. And, uh, it's just a hundred times more fun. Right. That's the real key to this game, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would have to look at the numbers, but I'm betting that like shotgun kills in this game were maybe well over half of them. (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) Well, maybe 70, 70%. I don't know. I used it a lot. Shotgun Um, or super shotgun. Yeah. Good question. That's fair. So which one was it, Paul? I mixed it up. I think (laughs) I, (laughs) I like the explosive, uh, the shotgun, uh, the explosive rounds a lot. Mm. So I did use that a lot, but. So Hugo Martin um, in the in the press leading up to Doom Eternal, and that's the reason why we're talking about Doom 2016 now, is that Doom Eternal has recently come out. Um, Hugo actually said when designing uh, Doom Eternal, um, they did want to fix a couple of things that they thought were problematic about this game. And so the super shotgun actually was one of them. <laughs> it, he's actually yeah. stated in some interviews about Doom Eternal. He said, yeah, the problem with the original Doom was uh, if you wanted to avoid the the big combat dance that we've set up, the answer to everything was the super shotgun. Yes. If you get close enough, you just put it in them in <laughs> point blank range and, and, and they explode. The problem was that it was the most powerful gun in the game and then you could basically prestige it, which meant that you could fire twice before reloading instead of once. And that made yep. it even better, right? And so it was literally the only answer for everything. If you weren't using that yep. 100% of the time, you were sort of doing it wrong, right? They actually did yep. fix that in Doom Eternal, except they also made the super shotgun even better. So it's still the right answer most of the time, but uh, <laughs> well, now it has a grappling hook that, <laughs> pulls the enemy you to the enemies and then you use the shotgun <laughs> yeah, yeah so i will say i have not i've not played the newest one have you burns no i haven't so um okay. it's it's it, what's really funny about this podcast is it is simultaneously solving a problem and creating a problem where <laughs> yeah, because right. we're going back and playing our backlogs it's making every new game that comes out instantaneously part of my backlog uh, so I, I do want to play, th- there's probably two games that I'm most like ashamed of not playing right now. Uh, one is Doom Eternal and the other is, uh, I never played Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, and I feel like both of those games are I. games yeah, I need I've to play. There, so so yeah. having played both of those, a little bit of perspective, you mentioned earlier, there's two games I never shut up about, right? Hmm. The other game is Resident Evil 2, the remake, which I find to just be an endlessly fascinating game. I play it still to this day. Um, and that I'm bringing up because Resident Evil 3 Remake just came out. 
Okay. And Doom and Doom Eternal are a similar pairing, in my opinion. Right. If you really liked Doom 2016, Doom Eternal is going to be great and you're going to like it. But it's, you know, there's something special about 2016 Doom. Right. Same thing with Resident Evil. If you're going to pick one of them, I'd say pick Resident Evil 2. Right. So do you have to prioritize Doom Eternal? Mm, Not terribly. I think Doom 2016 gives it to you. Is it is it to some degree more of the same? Like, would playing it right back to back sort of just feel like mm. the same game? Or so I I mean it, it, there's there's uh, quite a bit of differences. Um, they've really I think upped the rock paper scissors sort of um, okay. Uh, okay glory kills versus different things to give you ammo versus giving you health versus giving you armor. And they made the weapons more varied. The, ar- the ammo you have is less, so you're really switching between weapons. It's satisfying because they're all great. But I think the thing that really keeps me coming back to Doom 2016 is the story, as dis- ridiculous as that sounds. <laughs> um, and there was, because there was just a level of they didn't care, right? They were like, let's just have fun. The game starts, you know, with, you know, Hugo Martin talks on and on about this in the, um, in the uh, in the interviews he's given but it really comes down to it's demons why do you want to kill them it's demon you kill the demons right yeah. you are They're unending justice basically yeah <laughs> well, and oh you're not some doom marine is it demons do we have to kill you know no you're you're a super badass go kill demons go right right and there is a story which i find entertaining but they really there's something about that sort of like it's freeing to play doom 2016 because it's the story is there and it's fun, but it's not super serious. And they really build up the backstory and really build up the world in Doom Eternal. And I'm interested. I like it a lot. But it's like if you read Dune, the original book, that is an archetypal classic. Should you read the next view? Well, yeah. If you really like the universe, yeah, but it's not required. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I think um, in the story on this one, there was a turning point that I made. Uh, I forget what it's in one of the first few levels. Uh, and you're walking around and it's, uh, I think it's, I might forget what exactly you're smashing, but um, you have to shut down Argent pipelines, I think is what it is. And um, the guy who's, uh, is it Hayden that's like sending you around yeah. is like, okay, if you go in and like, you're going to flip these switches or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and you just see your character kind of look at the control panel and then look at the, the, the machine and he just <laughs> punches the machine and destroys it. And the guy on the other side of the line is like, uh, well, you shouldn't do that. And it's like, okay, this is, this is the game I'm playing. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. um, like, okay, I'm into it. Like, this is, this is the way we're telling the story. And I, I, I think you're right. The story is wacky and is essentially what you described. Like you wake up and there's demons. So kill demons. Um, but it works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In that, I like, think, I think if you're, going to if you're on the fence about this game play the first half of the first level because you get that moment of i'm amazing demons are evil what are glory kills you get the tone because that guy caden is talking to you and and you just take the console and throw it away and just go about your day right and there's Mm -hmm. go get to the credits if you see doom and the shotgun cocks and you see the big music sting and you're not into it you're never going to be into it 
Right. That's yeah. 10 minutes into the game. So especially if it's on Game Pass. Well, and, and what, what kind of amazes me about Doom 2016, and again, I can't speak to Eternal, so I, I'll just keep my focus here. The, the thing that I find happening every time I play Doom 2016, which, which sometimes takes some work for other games, the suspension of disbelief just sort of happens instantaneously because of the way the game just goes, here it is. Like, you, you know, you, you almost aren't given any time to react to it because the game knows exactly what it's doing. Here's your shotgun. Here's a demon that's trying. Like, you literally wake up chained to a table and a demon is rushing you. And then the cinematic plays and it crushes the demon's skull against the thing. He picks up a pistol and you're like, all right, so I have to shoot these other guys. And then you go get your armor and then you break off the cutscene halfway through by shoving the monitor into the wall. Uh, and, and you're just like, all right, here we go. Like this is this is what I'm doing, and and I think, I think it is because there's no artifice behind it. Because there's no, they didn't try to make a reason for you to care. They just gave you the sandbox, and it's just like no, you you know exactly what to do. These are all the different guns. These they kill demons in different ways. Here's all <laughs> the demons that are going to surround you. Mm-hmm. You know what you're here to do. Like you, you picked up Doom. Like I, I think that was even a, a Hugo quote as well from an interview. It's like. We know why you're here. You know why you're here. Like, just just go do the thing. Yeah. Just go. Just have yeah. fun. And it's it's one of those games where the first time through, you can really kind of appreciate the story for what it is. And, and there are some interesting points to the story, but I believe that replayability is so high because it's just so strongly leaning on what it knows it is. And it's just, yeah. it's yeah. just like, yeah, you're here to do this as, as well as you can. And you're here to make it look cool. And you're here to make it look sick, and then you're you know you're gonna yeah. kill them as quickly as possible, and then you're gonna move on, and you're gonna do it again. Yeah, yeah I think one of the big tricks too is um, I didn't realize until a few levels in how deep the um, sort of completionist aspect is. Um, so I think there's gonna be replayability on that of how many secret areas and collectibles and all sorts of random bits of the map and things like that that I should have been collecting from early on and didn't really start deep diving into until maybe the maybe the third or fourth level maybe um that there's just so many secrets and extra rooms and all sorts of stuff like that that um that feels good from a completionist standpoint but reminds me a lot of original doom too right it's actually a really easy completion with the, the two big bosses of the completion being um you have to beat uh what is it the first full level on ultra violence ultra nightmare which is the hardest difficulty and permadeath where it just deletes your save if you die, <laughs> which uh, is, uh, let me tell you, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other, the other final boss of the completion is the multi multi uh, multiplayer achievements, which uh, no, I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one thing we, we haven't even talked about. There is a great multiplayer, huge uh, functionality. You can build snap maps so people can, you know, build these crazy levels and it, nobody talked about it when it came out. I think I played it for about 30 seconds when I was like, no, I'm good. And then I just never touched it again. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it is a testament, I think, to, you know, a multi or a single player sandbox that you can build that is as fun as it is. Because I mean, I think when people talk about sandbox, that, that term that Bungie uses a lot when they talk about shooters and just that space that you play in, like Doom 2016 has mastered a completely different type of sandbox, which is this fusion of classic instincts of you're just a nonstop killing machine and you're pushing through everything, but also modern sensibilities and the fact that you do have to think 
in every engagement and, and really kind of, you know, optimize your strategy through the level because you're like, all right, I need to kill this guy because he's weak and I can get ammo and health out of him and I'm a little hurt. And then you'll take a big hit and that will suddenly like shift you in a different direction because you're like, okay, now I need to recover health here or now I'm super strong. So maybe I can go over to this guy or I'm low on ammo. So I'm going to break out the chainsaw because mm-hmm. I still have gas for it. So here we go. Um, and you're making a lot of those like moment to moment visceral decisions uh, that I think yeah. I think makes it it has a lot of the appeal that a multiplayer game has in terms of like it pushes you to be good at it in a way that I think a lot of single player games just don't anymore. Yeah, yeah I think I think I miss that a lot. Like there's so many companies that think that that, that won't just make a game that is like eight to 16 hours of fun and sell it. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think people won't buy it because it's not a, a billion hour experience that is always changing and ever shaping or something. It's like, mm-hmm. this is a fun single player game. Um, and, and like you said, I, I, I didn't play the multiplayer either. Uh, I might try it sometime, but if I never do like this story, this single player campaign would have been enough. Like this is enough game for me. This is fun. This is, this is a fun yeah. game. Yep. I think it's critical. If you, if somebody out there is going to pick up this game and play it, don't go like some story games you say just pick easy and just blast through and enjoy it like we were talking about a couple different games at the beginning of the podcast where maybe you just want to see the story you want to experience it right and then you know pick on easy just sort of blast through it have a good time right with this game because there is that fun that comes from the challenge and fun the the mechanics change when you're really pressed you want to play it on a difficulty that's it's not easy. You know, you want to play it on a little bit of a harder difficulty, right? Yeah. So. You need the game to push you. Uh, I've actually, like, the one thing that I appreciated about this game a bunch was the fact that you can change the difficulty on the fly. Because there there are times where I felt like, this is actually getting a little bit too easy. I might have gotten, you know, too good at this. And I will bump it up. And I will kind of play that game. I even did that the first time through, which I never do in a video game my first time through, which is, like, adjust the difficulty. Um, and I actually found myself bumping it up a little bit just because I wanted the game to really, really push me pretty hard. Um, and, and now that I'm back on PC, I'm, I'm doing that as well because it's, you know, it's a whole different skill set, kind yeah. of. Um, but, but I like the fact that this game is that type of challenge where, because challenge is really tough in video games sometimes, even in shooters sometimes. And honestly, like even the Halo games on the highest difficulty, sometimes I feel it's just a little cheap. So it's not like yeah. hard in the way that it's like, oh, it's it's really asking me to be my best. It's hard in that way where it's just like, well, the AI can no scope me from 200 miles away if yeah. I poke yeah. my head above a thing. And I, I feel like even at its hardest difficulties, Doom 2016, you know what you did wrong. And it was it yeah. was a thing where you could have done something differently and and probably survived. You know, that, that's a good point, though, that um, that makes this different from other games that that goes back to the point that you were making earlier about move forward. Um, you know, there aren't snipers in this game. There aren't any uh, enemies that I there aren't any enemies that have like a uh, instantaneous um, projectile weapon. Right. The best mm-hmm. are enemies are going to lob something at you, but most enemies are going to run at you. Um, yeah. Most of them are just going to charge right into you and you are at close combat range. Uh, which yeah. is how most of this game is played. So um, that's a that's a really interesting point that I hadn't thought of that makes this very different from a lot of those games where you're right, where you'll have some enemy that's 10 miles away with a sniper rifle that as soon as you move around a rock, they're just like, oh, and you're dead. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that just that can't happen here because of the way they've designed all the enemies. What is it? Halo 2? Lasso is basically impossible because of the jackal snipers. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I think contrasting Doom 2016 with Doom Eternal, one of the big things that I really think was a step back for Doom Eternal was there are enemies like that. Right? Mm. There are enemies where it, it really takes the play style and just upends it. Doesn't make it harder. Doesn't make it more interesting. Like there are, I don't know. There's just they added enemies and it's interesting variety, but it gets frustrating. Like there, that's the thing. Doom 2016, even on Nightmare ultra you know I, it was frustrating in that i had to be very good it wasn't mm-hmm. frustrating is in it felt cheap right yeah yeah when you think about it too like they even give you guns like there's that uh there's the goss goss rifle grass cannon i forget mm-hmm. um cannon. i forget because i never used it essentially um and uh i guess the closest is the one uh the the machine gun has a scope on it which I did use occasionally in, in situations, but yeah, it's all yeah. very close combat, right? Yeah, I think it's the the BFG, the especially well, the, sure. the super shotgun. Oh, man, that's about it. I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> the, the, the chainsaw that, that's like almost a melee weapon that you have fuel yeah. for, yeah. Yep. right? Just to get shotgun ammo back, <laughs> right? Yep, and that's right. about it. <laughs> yeah, I did find myself using the AR like surgically uh, in a lot of ways yeah. and i actually really like the rocket pack in the in the ar because i would use that to dump homing missiles into somebody before i switched to the super shotgun real quick sure. and then micro missiles yeah yep yep so but i mean i just this game is it's one of those games that i think you know if you go back to 2016 um because jer again you probably played this closer to to when it came out than anybody else when when people were talking about there's a new doom happening like, I mean, what was your, what was your take on it, Jerry? I mean, were you hyped for it when, before it came out? Yeah, no, I, I think, I think one of the, the sort of the shameful backgrounds that I have on this story is that I, th- I think I played the original Doom once, like a couple levels. I didn't play Wolfenstein. I didn't play Doom. I played Commander Keen. I don't think that counts. Oh though. man, Commander Keen. <laughs> I played great. a ton of Commander Keen, but oh, man. so when I, yeah, I've played Commander Keen. Yep. Okay, fine. But when I when I saw the announcement at I think it was QuakeCon twenty fifteen or something like that, when they when they first released like this is the new Doom game that's coming out, and this is way after the Doom Four nonsense, um, I was like, that game looks ridiculous, and I was I was cautiously optimistic. I've been burned by a bunch of release trailers before, um, but again, I'm, I wasn't. I didn't play Quake. I didn't play. You know, I'm, I wasn't a big PC FPS shooter player when i was young and when it when it came out and the reviews were like this game is real good everybody and i was like confirmed excellent i'll go and i picked it up and i think i beat it in a day maybe a day and a half like i, I just plowed through it because it was just so engaging and it just push 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 and it, it was so normally i don't care so much about the you know, reading all the codex entries. There's been very few games where I've been super deep into the codex. I think the original Mass Effect was one of them because the technology was so, so, so cool. Um, the uh, the the lore in this game is amazing. The combat is amazing. It's, it's that super high intensity of the combat with the super high intensity of the music. It's, you know, just that excitement. And then it takes a break. 
and you get to look for a collectible. Like you get to look for a little Doom. Uh, what is it? though? they pop figures? Yeah, a little yeah. like Funko yeah, Pop Doom guy. There you go. And then you get to read a codex entry. And I love the description of it from um, Hugo Martin in that in, in several of his interviews where he talks about it as they wrote it like it's the um, the manuals to a cult, right? The first level is it's about finding yourself and loving each other. And the second level is like, now here's the crazy stuff. You've been here three <laughs> years now. It's time to unlock the secrets. And that's what it reads like. The world is nuts. Yeah. yeah. Like just listening in the game, you know, some, some nice lady that's, you know, the road to hell is paved with ardent energy, you know? <laughs> and it's like, the writing is so just, it just beautiful. It takes you out. It just, it's funny. It's engaging. It's interesting. And it, it gives you that break from the super high intense music, the super high intense combat. It's just flawless. Well, and yeah, we haven't, we haven't talked about the music much yet. But, yeah. And, um, and I think that was that great. the, yeah, the, the natural segue there is, uh, is talking about that score, uh, because it really, like Mick Gordon is the composer on this. He was also the composer uh, for Doom Eternal. And much like the development history of, of the game itself, I think, if I remember correctly, that that the development of the music went through a lot of turbulent, you know, ups and downs as well. Because I think at one point mm-hmm. Mick Gordon was told, you know, no heavy metal, no guitars. And his response to that apparently was, how about all of the heavy metal and <laughs> as many guitars as I can throw at you? Um but he did it in such a way, and and the thing the thing about this the music in this game, um, and again Mick has done a lot of like demonstrations of this. He has a great YouTube channel that you should watch as well, and there's a couple of different documentaries out there on YouTube where he effectively talks about like he's a composer who not only makes pieces of music, he's a composer who understands how video games work. So even though there's an official soundtrack to this game. And you can go and find, you know, rust, dust, and dust, rust, dust, and guts, or uh, uh, I think it's BFG edition. I think is, is you should definitely do that. It's really good. It's really good. Um, those songs, as they are mixed, were put together for the soundtrack. But as they exist in the game, it's literally music exploded apart into different music pieces. And so, what the game is doing while you're playing is, if it's slower, it's playing like a build-up sequence. If a bunch of demons spawn in, it dumps itself into the high action core. It plays like a transition and it just goes into it and it goes full full force. And then if you wrap up that combat, when it's done, it kind of plays a little outro and then drops back down again. Like it either goes away or it goes into like the super. So it's literally scoring the combat as you're doing it. Which is super useful of like finishing a fight and I'd be like, are there any demons left? And then you hear the music settle and you're like, oh, cool. No. I'm I'm done, you know. Yeah. I did my it's work helpful. here. Yeah. It's um it is <laughs> it's the video game equivalent of God, wasn't there like a it was either a family guy or something joke where it's like, you know, somebody follows you around and scores you all day or something. <laughs> early family guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very early, yeah. But it's the heavy metal equivalent of that and it really reinforces the like it's impossible to calculate how much heavy lifting this Mick Gordon soundtrack is doing uh because it is just it's it's I think I read once somebody said online the soundtrack to this game is what you imagine doom guy hears when he closes his eyes at night and goes to sleep, you know, where it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's just it's constant yeah. aggression, um, but perfectly scored to the aggression that you are doing. Mm-hmm. In the game. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, the 
I mean, this, we could go on and on and on about how great this game is, but I want to ask Paul, you know, kind of his final takeaway from this, but Jared, before, you know, before we wrap up this conversation, you, we've alluded to this a couple of times, but why is this, can you put into words why this game in, in a short sentence or, or a couple of thoughts, why is doom 2016, one of the two games that you cannot stop talking about? Like, what is it about this game that makes it so special to you? I, I think it's, I mean, any game that I'm going to talk to a, a lot of people about, you know, if I know a friend very well and I say, oh, you're going to like this weird Disgaea game because you're a guy that likes leveling up potions, right? That's not Doom 2016. Doom, Doom 2016 is a game where if you've played shooters at all and you like just video games, I think it's going to grab you, right? As It's the combination of the music swinging up and down, the tone of the game being at simultaneously very serious. I mean, the game never winks at you. Basically the game takes itself very seriously, Yeah, but it's clearly ridiculous. Yes. Um, yes. The pacing is excellent. It's not to say there's no flaws, especially towards the end of the game. The, the levels get a little, uh, it's not, it's not a perfect game. Right. Right. But it's, it's still that classic doom of you have to find the blue key card. You have to find the yellow key card. But it's just simple enough like the old Doom. You have a few guns. You just got to kill demons and go forward with that little extra complexity of the the push forward, of getting into the glory kills. That's just, it's perfect bites. You want to f- play a level. You want to just be in it for an hour and then you can be done. I think it's it's just a fantastic game. Like I said, I go back to it once a year at least. And it's it's something I think has very broad appeal. You know, not like who plays overcooked gross. Like, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, seriously, it's, it's something where if you've played shooters, it's a game you just sort of have to play. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, and one other thing that you hit up on about the tone that I wanted to throw out there really quickly. Uh, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard as when I stumbled upon, it was like one of those video wall announcements that maybe led to a hologram or something, but it like <laughs> talked about, uh, having more volunteer interns <laughs> for sacrifices, like <laughs> the Mancubus program, yeah, <laughs> the Mancubus program. It, yeah. It's this wonderful like send up of corporate culture meets just hell. Uh, oh, it's true. That is just, but yeah, you're right. It never, it never looks at the camera and winks, and it captures mm-hmm. that perfect, uh, almost eighties action movie vibe, right? Where all of those oh, movies, yeah. again, totally over the top, and and stupendous but but just you know unbelievable but they also took themselves seriously and i think i think that's a thing that we've kind of lost in like modern internet culture that doom 2016 kind of reminded us no it's okay like if you just commit just just do it just believe in the crazy just yeah yeah commit to the bit yeah and you're fine i think it's you know some meals maybe the meal is too big but that you get that first perfect bite and you're just like ooh. Everything was just, everything's the right temperature. Everything's, you know, everything perfect. The first level of this game is that first perfect bite. Yeah. Like, I think you get the wackiness, the seriousness, the doom guy is, I mean, there's literally people worshiping your sarcophagus in the first 10 <laughs> seconds. Of this game. <laughs> right. You get the combat, you get the music, you get the, I mean, the production value is super, super high. And it's just that perfect bite. And it's just more of that. If you like playing, if you like that first bite, you're going to play a lot of the rest of the game at least, right? But that first bite, you got to take it, I think. Yep, yeah. So, Paul, um, you know, I 
I obviously, I mean, it would be redundant for me to say that I'm a fan of it. Jer's a huge fan of it. So, I mean, ultimately, did you did you finish the game before we started recording today? Yeah, actually, just a few hours ago, I had just uh, I had maybe two three levels left and just got through them, um, and and not like just to record. I got through them because I was like, I want to finish this game. This is a, this is a fun game. Thanks. Um, and it was, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a good single player experience. Like I said, it's a fun campaign. Um, all, all the stuff you talked about, right? It's scored beautifully. It is that classic feel of Doom. Right? If you played Doom in the 90s, or, or if you didn't, right? This gives you the feel of what Doom was like in the 90s, more or less. Um, just with better graphics. I, 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 um, there are parts, right, where you could unlock old levels um, and you'll yeah. just randomly wander into them. And, you're, and um, the first time I did that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. what that feel like better graphics uh, is an understatement paul yeah sure <laughs> um i thought one of the things that i thought would be man it would be amazing that i kind of missed would be um we talked about halo but when they remade the um the first halo and you could like hold the back button and it was in the old graphics um oh. there were a few times where i was like man i wonder what this would look like in doom if they just built it in the old engine right um so it would, you could still do it it would just look yeah. like it could also be the side of a potion stamp in the middle of your screen. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> 320 <laughs> by 280. You know, yep. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a fun game. Right? This was a this was a good recommendation. Um it feels like Doom. Yeah. And that's that is the ultimate win there, I think, for sure. So that's our take on uh, Doom 2016. I think we could, you know, cover tons more, but at this point, just go play it. Because uh, again, I think Jer, as you put it perfectly, if you don't like that first bite, you know, go ahead and set it aside. It's not for you. But if that one is like, yep, I'm on board, then prepare to devote however much time it needs to uh, to finish that game. The other thing that I will say about this game in, in terms of a technical sense is, yeah, it does look really good. It runs really well on a lot of different things. But surprisingly, this game also has a Nintendo Switch port, which I think actually runs fairly well. Yeah. Huh. So mm-hmm. it's uh, while it's available on Windows and, and Steam and most Windows platforms, uh, it's on PlayStation 4, it's on Xbox One, it's on Nintendo Stwi- uh, Switch, and you can also get it on Google Stadia as well. So... <laughs> If you can't find your Game Gear, play it on Switch. That's right. <laughs> They're running almost the same processor. So, Jer, it was uh, phenomenal to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us, and um, thanks for sharing your thoughts about ripping and tearing in Doom 2016. It was a delight, and I can't wait to come back for the Resident Evil 2 remake episode. <laughs> campaigning hard for that one. It's we're going to happen. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the game that we are selecting for next month's podcast to make sure that you are able to play along. So stick around. This is the missing save file. We'll be right back. I'm going to sing the Doom song now. Would you please stop singing? And this is the missing save file. Now comes the part of the show where we are figuring out what our next game is. If this is the book club style podcast, then we have to have a you know book to read. I, I'm going to call all my video games books, so it sounds like I'm way classier and cooler uh, than I am. I look at my large collection of books. Yeah, those are just video games. But uh, Paul, I believe it's your turn to select because I picked Doom 2016. Is that right? Yeah. 
And you sent me back to 2016, and um, here's me um, furiously Googling things that happened in uh, the year. Remember, <laughs> remember back in the day when the first Hunger Games movie came out. These are, well, Gangnam Style. Wow. Remember, <laughs> remember that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you remember was, it? Was, was Gangnam Style 2016? Yeah, so was Gautier's Somebody That I Used To Know, which is a horrible song, except for the Star Wars I Used To Know parody by, uh, I forget who did that. Um, wow, Call Me Maybe. This is the era of Call Me Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, you know, 2020 feels bad right now because we're all quarantined and like sheltering in place and all that, but you're not making me feel very good about the past either right now. I'm, I'm just... sorry. Do you not think that Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen is a wonderful song <laughs> and a defining song of the year 2012? I mean, I just met you and this is crazy, <laughs> but this is a podcast, so don't mention Call Me Maybe. That's fair. Uh, so, <laughs> so you've never played the hit 2012 video game uh, Journey, originally released for the PlayStation 3, uh, has been ported to PlayStation 4. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the video game Journey is all about becoming the next lead singer of the very popular and long-running rock band Journey. Is that uh, what this is about? I was wondering if you had Googled his name because I've forgotten it, and it sounds like you haven't. Um. I think it's Steve Ogiri, <laughs> if I remember correctly, but that, no, there's a, no, there's another guy now. Steve Ogiri was, yeah, I don't know, lead singer of Journey. Journey. As we both type this, this makes for Steve Perry. Is that right? No, wait. Well, Steve Perry was the original lead singer. Uh, yeah, Arnell, Arnell Pineda was... Okay, so this is now become a rock... World Tour 2016 and <laughs> 28... What year is this? 2020 edition? Yeah. Okay, so it says Steve Perry, and then it was Steve Ogiri. So you had to be Steve in order to lead sing for Journey. And then Arnell uh, Pineda is like... They found him on the internet, and he was and literally was, like a Steve Perry, like sound alike almost. Steven Tyler uh, for a while, and, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so this has now just become a rock and roll history podcast where we make up all of the facts. But uh, no, don't, Journey uh, is don't stop is, believing, uh, man. Don't stop believing. <laughs> <laughs> so to, yeah, I have not played Journey, and I don't actually really even know much about Journey. I that know is perfect because I do okay. not want you to look up a single fact about this game. Okay. I, do not I think I know. I think I know what it looks like. If I'm remembering correctly, isn't there like a weird looking little yeah, like cartoon character? You got a scarf. Yep. Yeah, and then it's like the open sands, yep. and like you just go across the desert, right? Yep. That's it. Don't okay. Google Journey unless you're looking for the lyrics to "Don't Stop Believing" or the lead singer of Journey, which we both just Googled. Can I play <laughs> Journey in the background while I'm playing Journey on my PlayStation? Uh, yes, I think Journey composed the soundtrack to this section. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it's, it's the person under the robes I, and stuff is a small town girl, right? <laughs> Living boy. in a lonely world. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the soundtrack of this being quite good. It is obviously not okay. Journey who did it. It is, it is an Austin Wintry soundtrack. Um, okay. who is a good composer of these sorts of atmospheric soundtracks. Um, yeah, but this is a fun one. So um, it is a game. That's what I'm going to say. Because <laughs> I don't want to give yeah. away anything, honestly. Like, Are you even going to like tip your hand and say it's a good game? Yeah. I mean, the last time I played this was probably 2012 or 13. When did it come out? July? Wait, March 2012. Um, 
Yeah, I probably played it in the late 2012 then. Um, okay. But yeah, it won several Game of the Years. Um, it, oh, wow. Actually, I'm looking for some of the stuff. It got a Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media nomination in the 2013 Grammy Awards. So, dang. That. It, yeah, it was. Uh, we were talking about this too. It was recently featured on PlayStation Plus as like a free game you can download. And it's coming to Steam pretty soon, I think, right? Yep. I think I saw a. Um, uh, June 11th date. Okay. Uh, I, I just Googled that a bit ago on it. So I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll talk about that when we talk about this game next, but very good. Okay. Well, I will play journey. I promise I've gotten all of the journey puns out of my system prior to getting to the podcast. <laughs> I do not promise that. But. <laughs> so you can look forward to that. Uh, and that is what we will talk about next time on the missing save file. If you want to get in touch with us, it is very easy. Uh, we have a website uh, where you can find all of our back episodes, missing Best way to sound off is by finding us on social media on Twitter. Uh, we are at missing save file on Facebook. Uh, we are facebook.com slash missing save file. Uh, we're pretty much missing save file wherever uh, we are. We are also thinking about launching uh, a Twitch stream. So this is maybe, uh, depending upon how fast I can get stuff together, uh, something I could play on stream, but I would guess that that probably won't happen, but, but we'll talk about that more in the future, but that's definitely a thing that we are considering doing. Um, and if you like this show, tell a friend about it. Uh, tell we, two friends. We always mention, tell many friends because word well, of mouth two. really, Two's really good. does work. <laughs> Only two. Because uh, most podcasts get most of their listeners from a friend saying, hey, you should check out this podcast. So while you're in quarantine, while you're uh, Zoom meeting with your friends, uh, maybe mention if they're looking for a new podcast to listen to that Missing Same File is the one. We would really appreciate it. Also, give us uh, positive ratings on whichever podcatcher you have. Uh, that also helps a bunch. But until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And we will see you at the next save point. I had another journey pun. I'm out. <laughs>
I, I think I'm out. <laughs> I think I exhausted it. It's all just don't stop believing. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big Journey fan, if I'm going to be honest with you. Well, then who's crying I, now? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Until next time, let's go our separate ways. <laughs> stop. <laughs> it's literally hurting me at this point. <laughs> Painful. Anywhere you want it, Burns. <laughs> you just have a title of Journey songs in front of you now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop recording. <laughs>